0: Welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight we are on episode 177 and we're talking a little bit about justifying the cost. Uh, so this was your topic there Ben, why don't you walk us into that and give us an idea where you're coming from on this topic.
1: So I have spoke to a few people over the last three or four years talking about it and a common theme that I see is people complaining about like the cost of this particular hobby and uh, I really think it's one of the cheaper hobbies. I, I, I've truly believed this having lots of hobbies, <laughs> but you can spend a lot of money on it. And it's, it's one of those things that what some people consider necessities, we might ask as, as, as hobbyists of ourselves may look into, well, no, that's still a hobby, right? Or that's still your, the thing you're in. And uh, with a lot of people, there's like a, a balance or a judgment or you spend so much money on a tent well yeah i buy a 300 hundred dollar tent but i'm going to use it for 10 years so if you work out the long-term cost of that tent and i use it say 10 times a year for for three or four years then you know cost me five six bucks a use like it's it's pretty cheap where let's look at another hobby i mean we could choose any number of them uh take hockey for instance hockey gear is good for what two to three years
0: depending on it and depending on what age you start into it as well if you're starting off young you may grow out of it in a year oh yeah but i mean i know people
1: are in like their ice time costs quite a few hundred dollars a year your gear costs quite a few hundred dollars a year you know it adds up it's not a cheap uh sport and as kids if you're doing tournaments, you're tra- you're traveling, you're staying in hotel rooms, it doesn't take long. And, and I actually had a co-worker years ago. We chatted about this, and I think he figured he spent over $10,000 in a single year on his kid's hockey. Right?
0: Yeah. That's no, not- it's pretty easy to get up in costs, especially with sports.
1: Right. And I had other friends saying, you think that's bad? You should try dance. And I'm like, what do you mean dance? Like, that should be pretty cheap, right? No, the dresses... the The competitions, the the accessories, the the dance time itself, you know, all that added up. So again, another hobby. Now, if you want to talk about what maybe you know, hockey, I think is is an all age sport, uh, and a lot of the sports. But you could take any of the sports. It you know, there's gear, there's rentals, there's travel, there's the add-ons that go with it, and we and we have those too. Like every time you go out, most people probably take a couple of beer with them or a drink or something. You know, like. You go to play in a beer league, there's a dozen beer, almost every time you play a game. Not all for one person, but, you know, it's it no, purchased, right? But it's still cost. And it's it's still, I think, part of your hobby. Like, you know, if you add it up, be fair, everything you spend on that hobby that you wouldn't have spent had you not been doing that hobby, that's part of the cost.
0: Yeah, and I but, guess the way I see it is the keyword you're using there is a hobby or extracurricular activity. I think whatever holds your interest... And I mean, I'm summing up an entire conversation here real shortly, I think, because I didn't start with this, but it's fresh in my head and I kind of want to get it out. Yeah. Just because of what you were saying there, anything you choose to fill your time with, if it brings you enjoyment, it's going to cost you money. Be it the hockey, be it the dance. And I can hear people saying, well, hockey's a sport. You know, you go out, you play with your friends, it's a social event. Bushcrafting can be the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the bushcraft gatherings, not just here in Nova Scotia, but across the country, across North America, they are out there, and I mean, that's the same thing, people get together, are they as common? No, but I mean, I'm trying to think of an arbitrary, like a very obscure sport, and I can't think of one (laughs) right off the top of my head, but one that I used to play uh, quite a lot was paintball, and I can tell you right now, just a couple games, Uh, when I used to play speedball, easily cover the cost of every piece of equipment I own now for bushcrafting like easily I was paying a thousand dollars a game on some of these things once you cover your entry fee and if you had to get some new gear to go in and the cost of your paint and your air and you know other things cost of traveling if you had to travel and accommodations I I can clearly remember weekends where I was like fifteen hundred dollars deep pretty easy
1: yeah yeah and a lot of these these activities hobbies whatever you want to call them they do cost money, and I actually looked it up before the show. I said, "What? What is a reasonable amount?" So they, you know, there's a bit of variance in here, but they say between ten and fifteen percent of your take-home pay could be expected to be spent towards a hobby. Now they say, if you're struggling to make ends meet, you might want to lower that a bit, right? And if you're doing really well, maybe you want to up it a little bit. But as a as a general guideline, it's something you might want to consider. Uh, 10 to 15 percent of your your take-home pay so after taxes and all that could be considered for a hobby and and they said the the important thing to think about is is this is part of your your mental health your 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 quality of life you know if you don't have a hobby or or something you do then you know generally you're going to have some issues i mean it is an important part of your life so it's I, I strongly recommend that people do have hobbies.
0: Something, it's a release. It's its an activity. Um, and to that point, like one of your main things you said there is it's a de-stressor. Yeah. Uh, if you had to sink this money, uh, let me back up a little bit more. We've said in numerous episodes in the past that going out is a de-stressor. And it's proven that going out and disconnecting from a lot of stuff, uh, it can potentially rebalance you help you reset help you recharge the batteries for you know lack of a better explanation imagine if you had to spend the cost on doing that in other ways you know what i mean like we all need to kind of recharge our batteries we all need to kind of reset and de-stress however you choose to do that uh be it bushcraft be it hockey be it going to the pool hall being going out for a drink being whatever your vice once again, it's going to take some amount of money. The question becomes At that, that is at the end of the spending, what do you have left to show for it? So if you get into a lot of these people that, for instance, uh, gambling or, you know, people that drink fairly often, they go party and that's the thing. Nothing against these people. Don't misunderstand. But if that is, you know, your chosen vice to de-stress and detune, whatever, teach their own being younger and doing some of that stuff once again i can remember spending a couple hundred dollars over the course of a weekend pretty easy you know what i mean then yeah Yeah. and then at the end of that weekend the only thing i have left to show for it was a sore body and a headache on the (laughs) best weekends (laughs) yeah i mean and and when you're
1: justifying you kind of got to look at what am i putting into it and what am i getting out of it and i think that's with everything in life right you can go out and you can buy, let's say, car A and car B. Well, car car A is is dirt cheap, and it's the bare minimum of what you need to do things. So it gets you from point A to point B. has no, virtually no cargo, very little luxury. But say you can buy it for six grand. You know, it's a car. It works. It's somewhat reliable. It's doable. Or car B, say forty thousand dollar car. It has air conditioning. It has a big trunk. It has extra seats you can carry your buddies. You know, when you're comparing it, they aren't the same, right? What brings you more? So the, the more comfortable, bigger capability, able to go places maybe the other one can't, you have to look at and say that the extra money is worth it if you have it, if you can possibly afford it. What, with your hobbies, look at your hobbies. What is it doing for you? If it's giving you all the stress relief and stuff and making it's easier for you to go through your 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 day-to-day life knowing you have those hobbies to look forward to the future. It's probably worth it to an extent, right? Um, but if that's, that hobby is physically or emotionally or is breaking you down in other ways, maybe you have to look at it and say, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into it, and now I can't do anything, right? Mm. And And I mean, I'm not picking on a sport, but I'm going to throw one out there. Because I've seen this. I've seen people who are in these high-impact sports, like hockey and soccer and stuff, who have blown out knees, busted up shoulders, You know, <laughs> can't do it anymore. They, they love the sport. They, they it, it was a passion for them. And some of those guys are getting into bushcraft, and they're coming and saying, I can't do. And I miss it. I miss the camaraderie. I, I miss the teamwork. I miss so much about it. But I can't do it anymore. It's beating me up. So now they're doing the bushcraft because they can do a nice little walk. They can set up a tent. They can throw a fishing line in. You know, it's something that's within their capability. And I'm not going to turn around and say bushcrafting is 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 a very easy sport that anyone can do it. Uh, but it it can be um, because it's you want to get into the rougher sport.
0: Stuff. You can. De- what? It's a very modular sport depending on yeah. your skill and what you want to put in. I think it's. A I safe don't know way who's listening, it.
1: but anyone who's tried to follow me to the furthest I've gone, would realize that that can be rough. <laughs> you, you know, I might push myself further than other people, and I'm not the best. I mean, I'm, you know, sometimes I think I am, but I am not. I've, I've met other people that I, I couldn't follow in the woods, and then there's people who wouldn't follow and couldn't follow me. You know, I'm in the middle there somewhere. Um, and it, that's the thing. If you're, you know, if you want to carry a 70, 80-pound canoe with a 80-pound pack, up and down some of the roughest train in the world no one's going to tell you that's an easy low impact sport but you can choose a better trail you can choose a, a smaller load you can choose to stay close to your vehicle right and get all the same benefits without the risks um, but you have to look at you know what am i putting in what am i getting out? and a lot of the stuff like how much stuff have you spent good money on but wow. you've been using for years and
0: years fair bit of it any of my everyday pack generally i've dropped a little bit of coin on it but it generally stays with me but then again i have things like the the mammoth sleeping bag sitting over here mel and i have not used it a ton but for what we spent for it it was worth every cent you know what i mean the benefits that that piece of gear brought to the table far outweighed the price that we paid for it for instance we don't need to carry two sleeping bags anymore because i mean we've shown pictures of this thing uh, if anybody yeah. doesn't know about it, you can go check our old episodes in these pictures. But this is not a small backpacking type sleeping bag. This no, it's thing, a family bag. Yeah. It, it's literally the size of a queen mattress. Like, yeah. me, my wife, and Willie can all sit in this, uh, or lay in this shoulder to shoulder, and we're not crushed. I mean, would you want to sleep three people deep in it? You're definitely going to get cozy. But the fact is, you could do it. Um, yeah. But I mean, just for the convenience it brought, like we did that outing where we brought the ATV, so we didn't have to worry about carrying the weight. But honestly, if you put two sleeping bags side by side, it probably really wasn't any more weight taking the larger one, or you know what I mean? Or no more size. It was just one object versus two, so a little bit more awkward. But overall, space, it was about the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, back to the original topic. So, I think we've hit it. I mean, the first thing I wanted to do was kind of compare it to other hobbies. And I think bushcrafting is by no means the most expensive, It's by no means the cheapest. It is definitely somewhere in the middle. Can you make it expensive? Yes. You can go out and buy the most expensive titanium stove. You can go out and buy the most expensive tent, the most expensive sleeping bag, the most expensive jackets, shirts, pants, clothes, socks, boots, you name it. And I guarantee you, you can sink 50, 60 grand in gear without breaking a sweat. Easy to do it. If you want to get into motorized systems and all of a sudden you're throwing in motorcycles, SUVs, things like that, your, your number can be even higher. You know, the sky's the limit of what you can spend. And I think that's true with any sport. You can, you know, you can buy the most expensive hockey stick, the most expensive basketball, most expensive ba- basketball shoes. You can buy the more expensive net or the less expensive net. Does it really change how much fun you're going to get out of it? That's that's an argument. But, I it's mean, definitely an argument,
0: but I think it's also very personal choice as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my, I don't want to say my argument, but my return on you can buy all the most expensive gear would be you don't necessarily have to do all that, which of course is our point, but if you did want to splurge, Pick the one area of your outing that you feel could really benefit from a big boost. Like, perhaps uh, you love going out and making food in the woods. This is a very common thing for people to go bushcrafting. They love cooking on an open fire. I myself enjoy it. I found something somewhere in the middle that works good for cooking. But maybe you have the old aluminum GI cup. And you know what? It would be so much more convenient if I had Exhibit A, this nice titanium cook set. Yeah, it might be worth a couple hundred bucks, but that doesn't mean you have to buy the titanium cook set with the brand new stove, with the brand new carrying case, like, you know what I mean? Like pick the one aspect that's really going to make the difference to you and that's going to be your purchase for the next little while. Uh, And the benefit to that is if you do have friends in bushcrafting, you can potentially get to see this stuff in action before you purchase it to know how it will augment your style of camping or right? your bushcrafting. Therefore you can kind of justify that big expense a little bit more.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of my the favorite pieces of gear I've ever used and I've never, I've never owned it is the titanium wood stove for, for my, you know, my, my winter camping. It's a, it's a great piece of gear. Um, it's always been one of those things. It's five, six hundred to a thousand mm-hmm. bucks. And I had a, much cheaper version that I used, uh, and I enjoyed it. But was it perfect? No, it had its drawbacks. Would I have liked the more expensive one? Hundred percent. Was I willing to spend that money at that time? Definitely not. You know, there's a time and place for it. You have to sit down. Another good example: canoes. I love canoes. We, we, we all know. I yeah. You've recently got into the canoe world. You've you've been bitten by the bug. Finally bought know. one. <laughs> it's you know next year you'll have two or three we we know this is going to happen it's just a fact they multiply but,
0: out there or what
1: man <laughs> oh they do see see the problem with canoes is the number of canoes and boats you need is n plus one where n equals the number you presently have <laughs> because what's going to happen it's like chicken math i don't know if you know about chicken math but i'll explain that to you someday is You'll get out there on a 17 foot boat and you're like, this is friggin' awesome. I love it. I'm going. But then you'll get a windy day and you're out there by yourself. And you're like, I can't control it. It's too big. It's too awkward. So then you're like, I need a 14 foot. I need a 12 foot. So you go out and you find a 12 foot and you're like, this is perfect for just me. But all oh, now Lily and, and Mel wants to go with you. And you're like, well, I can't take them. So now you have to have the 17 foot. Well, then you decide you want to do whitewater well i can't take the fiberglass down to whitewater will beat it up so now i need a plastic ramic style one like you, you're gonna go through and say i can't eat this for this type says and, the
0: guy that obviously has a good experience and thought process behind this whole thing
1: <laughs> i i can justify if, if you're struggling to justify something you need to contact me and i will explain to you why you need what you absolutely don't need But by the time I'm finished, you you will know you need it, and you will spend the money.
0: I can attest to this, too, because there has been a couple purchases where I've been like, "Nah, Ben convinced me, and I've gone out (laughs) and bought it. So I can attest to this. If you were sitting on the fence about something and you really need that gentle push, Ben is the man, shoot him a message, he will get you talked into it for sure. With reasonable pros to the conversation as well. Not just Bawaraki, he will legitimately convince you it's a good idea. So, but, but this is the thing, like, get out there
1: and and doing it, like, I think hobbies are important. So if if we start off with that, if, if your life revolves nothing, but, you know, waking up, going to work, coming home, going to sleep, going to work, and then just surviving through the weekend, so you can work the next week, then, you know, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to have stresses that you just can't get, you need some outlet bushcrafting for us happens to be one of and i'm going to be fairly clear with you anyone who thinks this is our entire lives no uh me and robert have a problem we have a hobby problem hobby Uh, addiction and and, and this is our favorite hobby it's not our only hobby you know we are both into motorcycles we're both into you know everything We, we are honestly into it right we've both done paintball you more than me with paintball Uh, You know, we're interested in a lot of stuff that's branch off from it, like fishing and hunting and hiking and and all these things. And then there's, there's like I had 3D printers and I had...
0: I mean, this podcast is a hobby. This is a hobby we have uh, invested money into. Prime example. A lot of times we've been asked, or at least I have been asked from people I've talked to, is it worth it? And the... therapeutic nature of what we do I think makes it totally worth it every single week. I mean, not all v- sorry, not every time do we have uh the comments section full of people blazing through, but that odd time when people do join us, it it's really a peak. But then you can take an episode uh, where we didn't have anybody come to the comments for whatever reason, you know life happens, and then you can flip it over to the audio side and you can see that that episode's been listened to hundreds to thousands of times. That kind of puts a smile on your face alone, love it or hate it. People are listening to it and they're getting something out of it. Maybe they're just getting the purpose of that's full of garbage and they go out and they do something better. That still made them better. That was a betterment of some kind, or at least that's what I'm going to convince myself. You know what I mean? That still brings me some amount of pleasure and peace in doing it. So therefore we've joked many, many times this podcast makes us no money. We've spent money on this, never got a return, still a hundred percent worth it. Because it's still cheaper than paying a therapist.
1: <laughs>
0: well,
1: one. Um, I was, I was sitting around work one day and there was a couple of guys that were, they were duck hunters and they were talking about the guns they bought, the boats they bought, the decoys they bought, the blinds they bought and all the stuff. And I started racking up the numbers. I mean, like each decoy is like 50, 60 bucks. They had probably a hundred of them. Like it's. Not all at once. They don't use them all the time. But then they're like, we got silhouette ones. We got ones that pop up. The ones that float. The ones that do this. They ha- you know, they have a lot. And they had nets. And they had all this stuff. And I asked them, I said, like, you know, you probably have ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 out there in gear. Easy. Uh, easily ten, twenty thousand dollars 20000 I said, how many ducks do you have to get to pay for it all? Because I'm thinking you can go to a grocery store and buy a duck. It's like eight, twelve bucks, you know, depending on which. It's not that expensive, right? Maybe a bit more now, but at that time it wasn't. And you know what? They looked at me, one. I just need one. So if they get one duck a year, one goose a year, they're happy as they can be. Didn't matter how much they spent on it. This, it wasn't about the meat. It was about the time, the time they spent out there, the time they spent learning how to catch that animal, the, the effort they put in, the, the camaraderie where they—you know four or five of them went out and did it together. And they love it. You know, it's the same thing with this, you know, how many camping trips do you have to take to make that tent worth it? One, right? Everyone after that is just a bonus.
0: No, and that's totally true. And I mean, I totally get that as a hunter myself. I've been asked many a times, why do me and my father-in-law go and sit in the, our little, what we call the slanty shanty when it's ice cold out and snowing because it's fun. And people say, how can that be fun? Because we come back and we're like, oh, it's a chilly day today. we got a chill on us. I guess you don't get it until you get it, if that makes any kind of sense. Everybody has that thing that they just, it's worth it to them. And as long as your hobby, be it bushcraft or whatever, is worth it to you, and it makes you feel good and it alleviates that stress, I think it's completely perfect. Maybe just for you individually, as long as it's not hurting anyone, what's the difference, you know what I mean? Hey, Carl, welcome to the show, buddy. I was wondering if anybody was going to pop on. But, yeah, I think, uh, long story short, that that's my two cents on it. As long as it makes you happy, the justification's there. Because it it's anything. Um, Another quick example, because I always used to make fun of this feller for it, and I'll leave his name out. When I was younger, there was a fella down where I lived... That was really into audio systems. Do you remember when having a car audio? I I mean, I know it's still a thing, but it was a real big thing there in the early two thousands. You having these massive audio systems in your car. So this fellow had literally a five hundred dollar car, and that was maybe being generous, and no word of a lie between a twelve and thirteen thousand dollar audio system in it. And we're talking early two thousands where money went a little bit more, and a five hundred dollars got you a decent car. You know what I mean? So it wasn't a terrible piece of crap, but it wasn't much of a car. It was like a Hyundai Accent or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, But his thing was he just loved putting sound into this car. And to me at the time, it was like, I don't, I don't get this. It makes no sense. You have nothing to show at the end of this except a lot of noise. But to him, every time he got the littlest thing. He always set a goal, like, this is this one piece I'm going to add to my stereo that's going to make it so much better. And, of course, I couldn't tell the difference when this piece was added because it meant nothing to me. It's still just noise. But still to him, to this day, he still enjoys it a little bit, not as much as he used to. Don't get me wrong. I think he's reined back the spending since he's gotten uh, a family and stuff like that, but still brings him joy. He can talk about the audio things Like, talk circles around me, and I'm a fairly technical, capable person to some degree. And every time he has this conversation, you can see his eyes light up, a little bit of excitement gets in his voice, he gets passionate about it. And I guess, bottom line, as long as whatever you're doing sparks passion, you can justify it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a similar story, and and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to even use his name because I don't think he will ever find out. But if he does, you can look me up. I'd love to chat with him again. I lived in Winnipeg years ago, and there was a guy with a tornado. And he had the best system. His name was Jarrett, and he worked at Subway with me because I worked (laughs) at Subway in, in Winnipeg years and years ago. And we used to drive around. I remember one of the girls that worked at the Subway with us used to laugh, and she said, you know, if music wasn't invented, This guy Jared would have just had the loudest static of anyone, (laughs) (laughs) because he was that much into the sound systems And it was the same thing; like the tornado probably cost him a thousand bucks, maybe, maybe a thousand bucks. But he had subwoofers and soundboards and top-of-the-line deck and all that put into it.
0: So, but I bet you five bucks if you went up to him at that time and said, "Hey, Jared." what kind of subwoofer do you got in that trunk you wouldn't have got that oh it's a 12 inch you would have got it's like oh it's a 14 inch fusion with the double crossover and anybody that knows anything about audio knows i just rhymed off a bunch of words i know go together don't know what they mean but anyway like you would get a full detailed story behind that and there'd be some passion behind it like it wouldn't just be a droning oh i gotta explain this again it's people get excited about their hobbies when it really brings them joy and that's kind of the neat thing we may not understand it 100 percent of the time but if people are happy and they're passionate about it i think it's justifiable as long as it's within the confines of the law you know what i mean morality and ethics should come into this a little bit (laughs) i just love setting fires but i mean that's how you get people like that (laughs) but it's it's easy to forget that and that's
1: what i kind of wanted to bring up it's it's really easy to forget and see because unfortunately with our hobby a lot of the expenses oftentimes are big but then they last really long time and then I I see other people and and I'm going to use the crafters I'm going to pick on the wives here a little bit not that only women do this or it's just wives but I think a little bit more how many of them go down to the dollar store and buy 50, 60, 70 dollars of stuff at the
0: the dollar store because they're going to go home and make crafts right I mean I know several people that would fit into this category i'm gonna right. leave names out of this because i know nope, they may watch God. this at yeah. some point
1: I'm not picking on them i've never my wife does it sometimes and and and, I'm, and i don't begrudge them but it's really easy to look at it and say well i only spent 50 bucks yeah but you spent 50 bucks last week you spent it the week before you spent it the week before that i spent 500 bucks, but i haven't done it in two three months We've probably spent the same, but mine was one big purchase. Theirs was a bunch of little ones. And it's a lot easier for a lot of people to justify. It's just...
0: Then it's... You know what I mean? And funny enough, Melissa and I have had this exact conversation several times in the past. Yes, I tend to make more large purchases. But I do them far more infrequently compared to her her cheaper purchases. More commonly, I don't want to say frequently because that sounds like I'm setting myself up. But I'm going yeah. to say more commonly.
1: Yeah, but it, and it, I think it's reality is, is a lot of hobbies are like that. I'm just, and I'm not trying to pick on anyone. No, not but at I all. Do know, I do know we have listeners out here that follow that 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 scenario, and I've been there. I've been in that scenario, and it is when you go you go to your wife and you say, "I want to buy a two thousand dollar canoe," and they look at you like. Yeah. Nuts. And it's well, it's only 34 pounds and I I can take it in rivers and lakes and, you know, it can handle a bit more weight and it can do all these things. And they're like, well, what's wrong with the one you got out there?" I'm like, well, it weighs 86 pounds and I can't lift it half the time. And I'm worried I'm going to injure myself. And so I don't take it as far. And I want to do more. So this opens up doors for me. Mm hmm. And it is hard to justify because they're
0: like, well, you have one. Yeah, but it's not good enough. Right? And I do find this is a good lead way or door opener for getting people involved. Or at least attempting your hobby to better, I don't want to say better educate them, but to let them see from a different view. Because it's real easy, once again when you were passionate about it to justify it and say that, Oh yeah, that 20 pound difference really makes a big difference because being passionate about it, you have the know-how to be okay. 20 pounds over four kilometers is significant weight savings. You know what I mean? But maybe they don't see that. They're just seeing, well, 20 pounds is 20 pounds. I can pick up a 20 pound bag of potatoes. I mean, it's heavy, but it's not that much, but yeah, now carry it four kilometers.
1: (laughs) and, And, as a reasonable comparison to this is your, your audiophile guy right so somebody who loves music will buy top of i don't know a sony subwoofer that you know has has all these options and they're like well we could just go out and buy this noni subwoofer it's only 80 bucks and the guy's like i could and yes they're both subwoofers but that one's gonna it has a better range. It's more tunable. It's it, you know it, it actually has more power, and it's gonna it's gonna last. And and there's all these things about it. Where that no name one, it's I'm never gonna be satisfied with it. it
0: a, a good way it's a to go. Oh, sorry, you right. go ahead.
1: <laughs> and I see this a lot of times. Like some people say a boat's a boat's a boat. Well, no, a boat is not a boat. You know, a boat is a boat. Two boats are totally different, and they are not necessarily apples and apples. And if you don't know the difference, it's it's like a lot of things. I mean, if you don't know, you know, if you've only ever tried one apple, and you go to the store and someone sees you see a bunch of apples, we'll just get an apple. Well, there's there's 85 varieties of apples in the grocery store. And some of them are good for this, and some of them are good for that, and some are good all around but not great anywhere. And you you know, if you're big and big foodie, you're gonna know that you want a Macintosh for this, or you're gonna want a, a Cortland for this, or you know, you're you're gonna be picky and choosy. Same thing with a bushcrafter. A, a tents, a tent, yes, but some tents can take more wind, some tents are lighter, some are easier to set up, some are give me more room, some will allow me to, to stand up, some won't. You know, there's a big difference between
0: them all. So Scott, uh, just from the comments here, um, going through the same thing with his brother-in-law and nephew, not much education, there's an enlightenment there, or sorry, element there, but it's more of an enlightenment. And I guess that's a good point. Um, Coming back to that, if people don't understand it, they find it very hard to justify it because they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel or the end goal. Uh, And simply just telling them sometimes, like back to the canoe example, 50 pounds versus 70 pounds, once again, you get that, well, it's only a 20 pound difference. Yeah, it's a 20 pound difference, but once again, they don't have that common sense or acquired knowledge. I, somebody once told me there's no such thing as common sense, only acquired knowledge. They haven't acquired that knowledge yet. To realize that 20 pounds Gosh. makes a big difference, or the structure of said canoe makes a big difference. If it's a flat bottom, if it's got a deep keel, uh, if it's a flatback, if it's, you know, these all mean different things to you as you get out there boating. And you do get a lot of people that just say, oh, I have a canoe. And you'll go, well, what kind? They're like, a green one. Well, at <laughs> least, you know what I mean? They're they're in the realm of they enjoy boating. You have that much. And they will might get to the point where they'll want to educate themselves further. But there's also that chance that perhaps that's as far as they ever wanted to go. They just wanted to own a canoe because they went out with their buddies once in a lake and they wanted to do the same thing and they got one and they went out and they had fun but you know what it didn't have any repeatability to them that wasn't their thing which is the other side of this coin as well is not everybody is going to be as enthusiastic and as passionate about said hobbies so they may not see the justification in it hopefully these people being your friends family and loved ones will see that at least it's bringing you happiness. And you're passionate about it and you're enjoying it and they'll support you to some degree. They do have to balance it out though when it's significant others or close family with the are you insane factor. because, yeah. And you have to weigh that out with them because like you said, can I buy a new $2,000 canoe? No, are you insane? Well, I can understand why you would think it's insane, but here's why I think it's a good choice. And you have to be prepared to have a couple of those conversations if you are willing to defend your hobby. You know what I mean? Because I've had those conversations with Mel. Um, Prime example is my most recent purchase. How long have I been talking about buying that, Ben? Uh, Years. Exactly. And this is a further episode, anybody that's listening. We will get to this. We have plans. But anyway, most recent purchase, it was significant when it was all said and done we're getting upwards of like seven, 800 bucks when all the pieces were bought and everything I wanted came into it. It was a large purchase, but I had looked at them for several years as Ben had mentioned. Uh, when they came up at the price they did, I literally just, you know, called Melissa and said, "Look, this is the lowest I've ever seen them. Ben seems to think it's a good deal too. another fellow that was looking at the same product probably for just as long as I had been, if not longer and started yeah. earlier on the project. So once again, another resource that I pulled that from Mel knew a little bit about Ben. We were able to be like, all right, if you think it's a good price, we'll do it now. And we'll, you know, we'll make it happen. And sometimes that's the conversation you need to have. Don't be scared to have conversations like that either. Um, But at the same time, you have to be very, very respectful of the other person's point of view. You know what I mean? Understandably, they're not going to have the same pool of information because i can guarantee you they didn't sit down in front of their computer for at least several hours a week every single week for a couple years figuring things out on this they just take it at face value and you have to respect and understand that's as much information as they have and you don't need to overload them with information either keep it to the very key concepts that that person's going to understand and appreciate and hopefully go down that road or at least that's what's worked for me scott
1: so, I mean, I think you're similar to me. And, and we, we both tend to love to research things. So we, we, we find a new hobby, a new interest. We got, I have to know everything about this. And then what are the alternatives? And I need to learn everything about the alternatives. And you have to research the hell out of it. And my wife gets mad at me. She does. She, she says, why are you still watching videos on X? And it's because I'm not ready yet. Like, I, I need to know. When I make this purchase, because it is a big purchase and it makes me sick to my stomach to think I'm going to spend $500 or $10,000 on something and it might not be what I really want. So I really look into it and then I look around and I mean, I'll often look for used if used is a viable option for the said item. Not everything is used a good option. Um, Sometimes new and with a warranty makes a big difference. I think the purchase you're talking about new with a warranty was the way to go. Makes a very warm and, and satisfied inside. Other things, it's like, well, if I buy it used, I get it at a quarter of the price. If I break it, I can buy another one. It's not a big deal, right? So, you know, there's a time and place for that. And and it's very important. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that time, like you said, it's other people won't understand it. But I guarantee if you look at them and ask them, well, what do you spend your time and money on? You'll find that they've wasted every bit as much time as you have. You know?
0: A prime recent example, and I'm just pulling examples here for people now because I think that explains the point more than going in circles, is something my wife loves to do is beach yoga. Something I have zero interest in trying is beach yoga. Not because I get anything against beach yoga. It's everything around beach yoga I don't like. I'm not a big fan of salt water. I don't like sand. I don't like salty breezes. You know what? This whole thing is not so great. But weekly she spends a set amount on going to these... Uh, beach yoga classes which i think is amazing don't get me wrong i fully support it i'm not complaining about it at all but if you add up those uh lessons or classes through the run of a year you might come up with you know 100 bucks 200 bucks that's one piece of gear that i might get a year out of and this is the Mm -hmm. thing that we were talking about between the major purchase versus installment purchases is the way we've kind of boiled it down to uh, and there's websites that allow you to do that and it gives you that ability to be able to make a big purchase and potentially break those down into smaller purchases. That might be another option to justify some of the thing or some of the cost in this. Just don't get yourself trapped by that either. Don't go into things that start getting the interest. Don't start rolling up credit cards. That's not what I'm saying, but I mean, uh, Amazon for instance, uh, where I made my last purchase, they had an option to make equal payments with zero interest. That's something I took because it made the purchase more manageable at that time. I could have bought it outright, but this gives me a little bit of cushion in case I see something else. I might want to go with it or something like that. But Realistically, though, it gives me a cushion, so I'm not dropping a ton of money out. And especially with Amazon, you have that 14-day window. If it wasn't what you wanted, you could potentially return it depending on what you purchased. And things like that so there is options out there that might kind of alleviate some of the costs for you or at least some of the complications that come with those higher ticket items but like i said not not advocating to get yourself in debt or anything like that be smart about your purchases of course but um yeah, I, I think that's the best way I can sum that up. I, uh, basically, I've been looping around every time, and it comes back to another story. And I think, like I said right from the get-go, it's going to come down to, does it make you happy? If it makes you happy in a ethical and law-abiding way, to cover our liabilities on this, um, then it's probably justifiable to some degree. You know what I mean? If it's going to make you happy, if it's going to hit your reset button, it chills you out, it lets you recharge you're going to spend the money somewhere in all honesty, yeah. depending like, I mean, look at smokers and I'm not picking on smokers. I can hear, you know, the massive coughing, eye rolling going on. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, truthfully, I smoked one point in my life. Uh, I have since given it up. And my motivation for giving it up was if I quit smoking, I can buy a new car in X amount of years. Guess what? Never seen two cents of that money go towards a car. The money always finds a way to go where it's going to go. So as long as you can manage the purchases and it brings you happiness, once again, ethically and law-abidingly, you can justify it. You know what yeah. I mean? Or at least that's my that's my take on this. What about you folks out there? What about you, Ben? Does that sound about reasonable?
1: Well, I had a, a listener just send me a, a message and, and they said, you know, sell the other canoe. Well... <sighs> Thinking back to, I said, it's 34 pounds. And well, why do you have the 80 pound or the 50 pound one? Um, and I think I mentioned in, in one point is like, if you're going down a river that's rough, you want the ramex style, the heavier one, the one that can take the beatings and stuff. And I have, like, you've seen my my boat collection. and It's what inspired think, me to start one of on my own. I think the average person would see my boat collection would say something along those lines. You don't need all those boats. But I think you've also seen that I use every one of those boats. I was going to say, you also
0: have a family of five. Yeah. Yeah, five plus a dog. So you have reasonable grounds to own most of the boats you do. It's, once again, justified in that manner. Could you sell some of them? Yeah. And that's the other thing. Some of this stuff is nothing but equity.
1: Yeah. Uh, But I enjoy them and I like them. And and I want to say this because I've had this argument before and it was really interesting. So I said, you know, what's 20 pounds? I said, okay pick the canoe up, put it on your shoulders. They pick up the heavy one. Look, I did it. Took a lot of effort, didn't it? Now take the light one, put it on your shoulders. That was a lot easier. Now do it 50 times. Hmm. (laughs) Do it after paddling for two hours into the wind to get to the next portage and throw that thing in your back and tell me that 20 pounds isn't infinitely important to you. And it is at that point, it is so important to you because it weighs a ton and it's hard when you're trying to do it in those situations. And if you're into, when I first got into this this sport, this activity, I really got into the the ultralight guys. I did a ton of research before I started spending money on it. And I didn't get deep into it because I said I can't justify the increase. But I bought, and I think you have it now and you think you've repaired, it, but I bought that Sil Nylon. So at the time, Sil Nylon was the second best material you could buy. The best being Cuban fiber. And the difference in tarps was I could buy a poly tarp or a polyurethane tarp for 50 bucks. I could buy a silnion for like 120 or I could buy a Cuban tarp for like 350 bucks. They got exponentially more expensive as they went up. And the gains got smaller and smaller. In my point so the polyurethane probably weighed two pounds the mech probably weighed a pound the cuban fi- fiber was half a pound their overall coverage was about the same so you know was two hundred dollars worth half a pound for me most times the answer turned out to be no you know was 120 dollars worth a pound i went with the middle of the road right like it was lighter, more compact, easier to, to travel with.
0: And that raises a real good point. Make sure that the purchase is justifiable in your own mind as well. Going back to yeah. the canoe analogy, you might not need to save that 20 pounds. If you drive your truck, car, whatever, directly to the boat launch and you just drop it in the water, you paddle around for an hour, come back, and then put it back up on said boat launch, you know what, maybe the 20 pounds isn't that big a deal to you. But if you were much like Ben and you may paddle for two, three hours to portage for a kilometer and a half, to paddle for an hour, to portage for 500 meters, to paddle for 30 minutes, to portage for two kilometers, that 20 pounds is going to mean a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's a big difference between a recreational
1: kayak or, t- or a canoe that you use at your cabin, and you go out in the lake and you do some fishing you come back to the exact same place. You don't care if it weighs a lot. If you're do, planning on doing the Toby attic and you're going to go clean across, you want the lightest, most durable canoe you can buy. And, you know, generally you don't get both. You don't get light and durable. You get light or durable. You know, you can't get both. But you do need it to be somewhat good. So you spend the time and... What was I say try, try to find what works best for you. What's the balance? The justification for it, and it, that was the start. You know, how do you justify it? A. Make sure you're never spending more than you can actually afford. Do not go out and buy stuff that you really can't afford to have, because unfortunately, sometimes that temptation is there. We've both had it. We've both got eyes. You know, the old expression: your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Hmm. Right? Your eye. You know. Your eyes are bigger than your wallet. Yeah, it's easy to spend more money than you you can afford. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that may, could mean that your buddy who's not as into it as you are has better gear, but he makes more money than you and he can afford it and it's no big deal to him. So spending $500 on a tent really didn't phase him. You've been doing it for years and now you you still have the $120 tar, tent.
0: So what you do but is you make so friends fun. with those people, convince them they need something newer. And you purchase the old stuff for a fraction of the cost, knowing that it's only been used very limitedly Yeah, for sure. But
1: uh, Yeah, so how do you justify it? You justify it by, you know, it it is a lifestyle improvement. It is your hobby. It is your sport. Um, try to keep it, you know, your overall spending on all your hobbies. If you end up with a lot of hobbies, you can't spend as much onto it. So sometimes you have to look at it and say, do I need fourteen hobbies? Can I give up two or three because they're costing too much? Sometimes you do. You sell off some of the the gear for your extra hobbies. You say, the, I love it. It's it was a really you know really enjoyable hobby. I really enjoyed it, but right now I just can't justify having five thousand dollars wrapped up into a hobby that I don't have. Can't spend the time into it. So I'm going to put it all into the the two or three hobbies I really like. So. Choose the hobbies you like the most. Put your effort into those. Don't spread yourself too thin. That's a really easy thing to do in life. And then spend it on the things you really need. And, it's gonna, and I think you said it really well. Choose the things that are going to bring the biggest bang for your buck. The biggest change in your camping. Um, and that is when you go, what was the worst part of your trip? And how can you improve that? And if the worst part was your backpack was extremely uncomfortable, your tent leaked, um, your footwear was, caused you to have all kinds of blisters, choose that thing and say, okay, this is what I took away from my trip. This is what I'm going to replace with something that's much better value. Do that, and then the next trip, figure out what's what you need to spend your time and effort on. And as slowly and surely, you will spend small amounts of money, and end up with a much better end setup.
0: And doing um, it that way is a lot safer, as Ben was getting to there, because then you're picking and choosing what's actually going to benefit you the way you want to use it. I can go out and buy the top-of-the-line tarp, but if I'm not a tarp camper, there's no point in owning it. Yeah. Um, so a couple comments here from Scott uh, when we were talking about money. He said, you can't take it with us. Born from nothing and still have most of it left. Get it while you can and enjoy it while you can. And that is one thing, you know, the old yo-o ad- adjective or at ad- what what's it called? Acronym, I guess. You only live once. Uh, that is a thing. Just don't go overboard with it. I mean, don't put anybody at jeopardy. Don't put yourself financially at jeopardy. But there is some truth in that. You can't take it with you. There's no sense in hoarding it. Without reason, I guess,
1: is the biggest thing. I will, say, I will give you one. You can't take it with you. But the bank can take it away from you <laughs> and that's the thing right <laughs> if you wake up one morning and realize you're not paying your bills and the power company's sitting outside your door looking at you and saying like i gotta cut this line i gotta cut your water i gotta cut your your services then you've spent too much right like do be reasonable on your expenses you know uh pay.
0: And then a follow-up from Scott on that was uh, he says, my off-brand pocket stove works every bit as good as the brand name stove uh, for probably around $100 more U.S. Hate paying for names. And that's the other thing. Don't get roped into name brands. We've said this in the past too. Do your research. See what actually works for what you want it to do. We're back to that top-of-the-line tarp. You can pick the best brand name, the best one on the market claimed by who everybody, but if you don't use tarps, it's still pointless to you. <laughs> yeah. And he has another good point here he just came in with. Uh, I was really thinking you were going to say you could pass it down. I have some things that my fa- uh, of my father's that I wouldn't trade for anything. And that's the other thing. Sometimes you can... You'll get to a point making a lot of these little transactions that you will have gear that might benefit somebody else. You can either hand it down to them as Scott was saying here too, if it's somebody in your family or somebody close to you or somebody you're just really good friends with and you know they're going to appreciate it, you may hand it down to them, or you may benefit some of the bushcrafting the community by selling stuff off that you realized doesn't fit your needs, but it might fit theirs. Yes, and
1: I know in Nova Scotia and, and I can only assume everywhere else, there's a whole community of people that trade gear, and and I've met some of the ones that are probably the most active in it and they buy and sell gear and i know guys who bought gear used it sold it to someone else who sold it to someone else who traded it with someone else and eventually the original guy ended up with it back
0: the traveling axe
1: is what you're talking about that's one of the ones but it's not <laughs> the only one there's a, a tent that i i know it was owned by like eight people at one point over the years and it you know it was a cool tent it had a purpose. People wanted to try it. They tried it. It wasn't for everyone. Then the original guy said, you know, I really want to try it again. So he ended up with it back. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know?
0: Not at all. Um, gear swaps are a real thing. Sometimes you just trade yeah. out extra gear you have for extra gear other people have. That is the beauty of the bushcraft community. And as Ben said, at least here in Nova Scotia, there's lots of people that are looking to trade or looking to give good used quality stuff a new home
1: yeah yeah um and i have a side conversation here somebody's poking pokey and, and, and claiming that maybe we are hoarders and maybe we are
0: uh but i'll go through a
1: thinning every now and then yeah. <laughs> it is a good point if you you have gear that you're not using that isn't functionally needed or you find that you you know you already have because at one point i had 12 backpacks I didn't need 12 backpacks. I got rid of most of them now. I'm down to two. One I keep because I really like some functions of it. And the other one I keep because honestly, it's the best backpack I own. And so I kept the two of them. They have purposes. I'm actually planning on doing one up as like a go bag type thing. And I'm going to have it so that I can just have a quick go. And it kind of has an aesthetic I like, although its function isn't as good as the other pack backpack. And so yeah, get, give that stuff to someone else because that, even though it's not a great item for you or you're not using as much as you could, it might be the perfect one for someone else because not everyone <laughs> needs the same gear or enjoys the same gear. So try not to hoard. I mean, I I just went through a, packing for a move and I got rid of like 80% of the stuff I figure I don't need and somebody else would walk in and look at what I kept and like you still could have got rid of another 20-30% easy, right?
0: Um, but and for me it's the start of the year uh here in rural nova scotia we have something called dump vouchers depending on where you live and once my dump voucher comes in which is you're allowed to take so much to a dump uh and they'll cover the cost of it for anybody that lives way out in sticks basically um well relative sticks as men and i have talked about on all the past episodes uh that's when i start gathering stuff up anything that's good goes up for sale or to give away or whatever the case may be and whatever is just bad it is garbage it can't serve any purposes because it's missing parts it's damaged beyond repair something like that it it just goes and that's when it's time to go out now the downside of that is sometimes i end up holding on to stuff for a year longer than i should have because perhaps last year i was looking at something going ah i'll give it one more go and then it sits for an entire year and i'm stuck with it but I'm getting better at it, is all I can say. Uh, you are right, though. Try not to get to the hoarding phase of things.
1: Yeah, we've both met, made it.
0: Let's see. Scott, I have uh, lots of extra gear. I hoarded it. Maybe I shouldn't, but I kind of justify it using it as loner gear. Oh, and that's the other thing. Sometimes if you do have some extra gear, like I purposely keep a little extra gear around too, simply as loner gear, like Scott's saying here. Uh, so of Gear, kind of try it before you buy it, borrow one of my hammocks before you spend the money in case you absolutely hate camp- hammock camping. That's a prime example if you have an extra hammock and one of your friends want to go out for a weekend they're like, oh I wish I had a tent, offer them a hammock and a tarp and be like, try this and maybe that's what they'll want. Or if you have that extra tent, you can offer them the tent if that's what they're set on. Uh, I don't have an extra tent. Well, yeah, I kind of have an extra tent, but I do have an extra hammock. I get a couple extra tarps. I have an extra sleeping bag. I try to keep enough stuff for one other person, uh, plus my own personal stuff, Melissa's personal stuff, and Lily's personal stuff, which, once again, starts sounding like a lot. But the reality is, I can justify, I want to bring my girls with me camping, and if I want to hook a buddy up, I at least have enough stuff. If I'm like, hey, let's go camping, and they're like, oh, I don't have anything, I'd be like, well, that's not an excuse, here you go. And that's kind of where I draw my limit, at least. Yeah. But now we're digressing, we're kind of looping around to other topics. Coming back to the uh, justifying the cost. To sum it all up, for me, once again, it's if you're happy, it's not breaking the bank, it's not hurting anyone, you're not breaking any laws, you can pretty much justify it. You just have to... It has to bring you happiness and passion, because if you don't, then you'll always convince yourself otherwise. But if it truly does bring you happiness and passion, you can justify it. Yeah, and a
1: bit, I think the only thing is really look at the item and and ask yourself this question, a hundred percent honesty. Well, I use it. Mm. And and I don't know how many times, not as often as some people would say, but how many times I've bought stuff and and quickly realized i'm never going to use this it's it it, it, looked, it was a cool idea i love the concept it's um how do you say it's okay but it's it wasn't what i needed it, it wasn't something i was going to use a lot and and sometimes you have to buy the gear to find out that it isn't what you, you know what you're into and you know it can be sometimes it's a whole hobby sometimes it's an individual thing um but it's it's one of those things. Look at it. I have a couple of things probably after the show we'll chat about. And it's just stuff that I'm looking at right now. And I want to see, is this something that I'm really into? Is this something I want? And I have to sit down and say, will I use it? And is it will I use it enough to make it worth spending that time? And I think that's a big part of it. Look at it. And if somebody said this to me one time, take take a look at the object you're going to buy. Figure out how often you're gonna use it and then divide the total price by the number of times you use it, and then say, is it worth that? And it's it's it could be down to as much as would I rent it for that? And if you say I would never pay a hundred dollars to use a canoe for a day, then it's not worth renting or buying it for a thousand dollars if you only use it ten times. You know? It that that's the way. So say, okay. Fine, I'm going to buy a canoe, a bike, a backpack. Okay, it is X number of dollars. How often am I going to use it? Five times a year, how many years? Let's assume I can use it for five years. Take that number, divide it out and say, is it worth per use? And if it is, awesome. Awesome, it's probably worth buying. If it's not, really think about it. Probably wasn't something you needed. So it's just just one of those things, right? And then when you go to your wife and you say, "I want to buy a two thousand dollar canoe," and she looks at you and says, "And how often are you going to use that? Is it really worth it?" And you're like, "Well, oh, I want to do one trip a year." She's gonna. She could legitimately look at you and say, "Rent the thing. Go out and pay two hundred bucks today. Pay two hundred bucks. Rent it for the trip. Bring it back. Give it to those guys. And then next year when you want one, get the new model. Rent it." Right. No, that's a great way of looking at some of this too, right? Because, do you want? to own it do you want to store it do you want to repair it do you want and really think about it if you're only going to use it a couple of times you know maybe it's worth renting maybe it's worth borrowing one so think it think of it on facebook say i want to do this trip and i really need x anyone have one i can borrow rent? you know some you know chances are there's one sitting around
0: of anything say. you want
1: that nobody's using. Whether they're willing to loan it to you, that's a totally different story. But maybe they are. You know? Maybe. Since you can I've come bought a
0: it. boat, I've had more people offer me the loan of a boat than ever before. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. the weird thing.
1: But, I, like, I know before you bought that, that there was a couple of people in the area that told me that they'd said they'd let you borrow theirs.
0: Oh, yeah, and I'm to excluding those people. It's like other people that I've talked about in the past being like, oh, can I borrow your boat? And they've literally told me no. That I've told, hmm. oh, I finally bought a canoe. And they're like, well, why'd you do that? I got a perfectly good one sitting out back. And you kind of get to that, we've talked about this before, and you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're not friends. <laughs> yeah, I really learned that I have... I'd be grudging disliking to a few individuals that just anyway yeah i know what you mean
1: a- anyways i think that's the show i think we're starting to repeat ourselves and we definitely hit our hour uh but how do you justify it try to keep within what you can afford and just make sure it's something you're going to use and it's worth worth the cost you're going to do um and then if you really think it's really expensive honestly Take a look at a bunch of your friends and families, and look at their hobbies and figure out how much they've been spending. And you'll kind of get the idea that there's a chance your hobby's not really that much more expensive than anyone else's. You just might make bigger purchases. Yeah, I, you know, my brother was into to mountain bikes for years, and I found out he spent like five grand on a mountain bike. I'm like, how is that even possibly worth it? But it's his passion. Someone else will look at me, you know, you spent five hundred dollars on a bunch of camping gears. Yeah. How was that worth it? It's like, because it got me out there. And it, because the bike got him out there. You know, he made friends, he's seen places, he did things that he wouldn't have done without it. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of people, a lot of hobbies probably cost close to 5000 a year, many much more, some much less. Think of anyone who owns a boat, how much do they spend in gas, mooring fees, Here's Trailers, one that probably. I
0: hear a lot. How many people do you know own or rent a camper spot? They have yeah. their own little camper communities. You're paying thousands of dollars a year just in holding that spot. for. And not to pick on anybody that does the camper thing. That's not the thing yeah. about this. But that, they enjoy it. Like It is a whole community-based thing. You know what I mean? They have their Christmas in July and their Halloween in July or whatever the case may be. They have these events... It brings them a sense of community. They enjoy doing it. Yeah, But the costs are still pretty high. Yeah. And if that's not your thing, you're going to look at
1: it and think that's ridiculous that they spend that much money on it. But everyone that says that, guarantee you, they have something that you can look at and say, I can't believe you spent that much on a sewing machine. I can't believe you spent that much on alcohol. I can't believe you spent that much on painting your car a funky color or whatever it happens to be in. Like, you know. My wife is into cricket. I'm not complaining. It's a great hobby. She loves it. She makes crafts and stuff. She made all my decals. She's made stuff for us. We're not complaining. It wasn't cheap, you know, but it brings her happiness and joy. It keeps her, you know, entertained. And, you know, it's it's worth it to her. Uh, Everyone has hobbies. Everyone's hobbies will cost a bit of money. I mean, that's just life. Um, I think the important thing is keeping your hobbies to a reasonable number. So that you can put the proper time and effort into it uh, try to keep focus down on a few and then be somewhat reasonable you know as long as you have the room and resources for the gear you have then you don't have too much if you don't have the room and resources probably need to p- pare down um, or look and see if there's something that can do two or three tasks well instead of two, two or three specialized So, uh, like I said, I think we've beaten this this horse pretty good. Nice and dead.
0: (laughs) I think you've summed it up perfectly. I can't add anything to that. Uh, I think you hit all the points right on the head. And like I said, what I'm taking from this is your analogy of take the cost of it, divide it over how many times you're going to use it, and ask yourself, would you rent it for that? That's actually a real great piece of information. I'm probably going to be using that more in the future. It's just a great way of looking at something. Yeah. Not everything can you rent, but most things, so... No, but if you could rent item, for instance, like even a backpack, if you were going to use the backpack, like you said, 20, let's say five times a year for five years, that's 25 times a hundred dollar backpack comes out to, you know, like four bucks a use. Would I rent a backpack, a good backpack I wanted for $4? You're damn right. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> right. But yeah, anyway, I think you summed it up good. We can leave it there. As always, uh, thanks to our guests that came in the comments here. We talked to Carl and Scott a little bit. Anybody out there listening, be sure to check out our live shows, which happen on Wednesday nights currently. Uh, You can find us on all our stuff down here. The Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good goofy things. Uh, Our website is down there too, AtlanticBushcraft.ca. You can get a hold of us there. Or you can just Google us. If you search Atlantic Bushcraft, we are actually one of the first ones to pop up. Go find it figure we've been at this for over two years and we're finally starting to get somewhere in the search engines. I
1: I think, actually, I've had people check and they've been really impressed on how well you've set that up. So you're doing great. I don't tell you that enough. Well, thanks, everyone, that. for listening. Get back to us. Let, like you said, um, it's been a joy. Night, everybody.